You're listening to the podcast of Antioch East Baptist Church in Magnolia, Arkansas. This is Pastor Ron Owen. We're so glad that you've joined us today. If you have any comments or inquiries, you can send those to us at aebc123 at me.com. I want you to turn to Romans chapter 10 and verse 14. Romans 10, we're going to look up actually at verse 11. For the scripture says in verse 11, Whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Uh, How then shall they call on him? This is our text today, starting here. How shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent, as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. But I say, had they not heard... Yes, indeed, their sound has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. But I say, did Israel not know? First, Moses said, I will provoke you to jealousy by those who are not a nation. I will move you to anger by a foolish nation. But Isaiah is very bold in saying, I was found by those who did not seek me. I was made manifest to those who did not ask for me. Now, I want to tell you this morning, maybe you don't know it yet, just a cursory reading, but that's going to be your favorite verse in this passage when we're finished today. Okay, Because your name is in it. But to Israel, he says, All day long I have stretched out my hands to a disobedient and a contrary people. Now, we started last week on this message, actually, and we're calling this the universal invitation. All right, but we're calling our message last week, part one, the universal invitation. And we read last week how Isaiah 52 and 53 fit into this verse because Isaiah 52 talks about how that God is going to sprinkle not just the Israelites, not just Jews, but many nations. Hallelujah. You ought to be glad of that because guess what? You're not a Jew. You're one of the many nations. And God is going to save people out of every tribe and nation and country. And he came down uh, at this little church. And a lot of you, how many of you saved here at Antioch East Baptist Church? Look at that, all over the place. And he came to this little town and loved you and saved you. He sprinkled you, which is ceremony cleansing. And he sprinkled you with his blood and saved your soul. And so uh, that's we, we talked about and used that to introduce these verses. Now, 
Our text, 14 through 21, is a response to the previous verses, especially verses 12 and 13. Let's read them again. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon Him. And then verse 13, a great, one of the greatest verses ever, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. All right? Now... Verses 14 and 15 is a response, a teaching response to verse 13, especially. The other verses too before it, but especially verse 13. And again, at first, a lot of people use these verses as verses for, uh, I don't know, for, for a mission, missions department or for missions and although there's nothing wrong with that, that's not the intent of these verses. It's really not. What this is, is just like Paul has always been doing through Romans, is he uses a, a rhetorical question to teach. Basically, he is saying what an opponent might say. An unseen inquisitor, if you would. That's what these questions are. And there's five of them. I mean, boom, 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 boom. Boom! Five, yeah, five. I got them in there. There's five of these. Look at it. Verse 14. How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? Question mark. And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? Question mark. And how shall they hear without a preacher? Question mark. And how shall they preach unless they be sent? Another question mark. So boom, boom, boom. Right there. Five questions. Well, we're going to examine these today. And then go on down through the verses. Number one, we look at the, the rhetorical inquiries. The, the rhetorical inquiries. Now, kids, if you don't know what rhetorical means, it's asking a question that you really don't expect an audible response to. It's to make you think. You know the answer. Okay? Rhetorical. That's what these are. And Paul gives these rhetorical answers. But then he answers them himself. That's what a rhetorical question is. How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? Now of all five of these questions, this is the only one that had... I don't know how to put this. I, this is the way I put it on my page here. It's the only statement of the five questions that is true about Israel. Okay? It's the only question that is true about Israel. How shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And Israel did not believe in Jesus. Okay? So that's, the, that's truth about them. And so somebody might ask, well, then how shall they call on him whom they've not believed? Well, that's, that's the, they don't. They don't. But then he goes on and says, and how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? He's assuming truth that's not in evidence. They have heard. They did hear. Isaiah 53. Psalm chapter 2, and on and on, the Bible in the Old Testament predicts Christ's coming, suffering, and death. 
They have heard. And some of this question is even in the moment. They heard the apostles. They heard the prophets. And still, Paul went all through uh, uh, Asia, South Asia, and, and, and Macedonia, or, um, 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 Macedonia, and um, the Mediterranean Sea, and on into Rome. And he went to every Jewish tabernacle. And you know what he did? He preached to them Jesus. And you know what they did? Ran him out of town. They did hear. Third question, and how should they hear without a preacher? Well, I just explained to you. They had Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Micah, Joel, Amos, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Zechariah, Malachi, and the ones I just forgot. And then they had Paul, and they had John, and they had Peter. Matt, they had 12, 12 disciples. Jesus called them. Simon, Peter, Andrew, James, and brother John, Philip, Thomas, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon, Judas. There's only 12. And Bartholomew. But anyway, I don't know how. I got my numbers mixed up. They had prophets and preachers. They had Philip. They had Stephen. Don't tell. Don't try to argue that they didn't have preachers. And how should they hear? But then verse 15, and how shall they preach unless they be sent? And how many times, preachers, how many times, congregation, have you been made to feel guilty because, you know, God's sending you? Now, He is. I think everybody ought to be a witness. If you don't witness, you're backslid. The Bible says you shall be my witnesses. And that wasn't talking about the apostles. That's talking about all of us. But this is not talking about that. This scent is what God does. God called me to be a preacher. God called Aaron to be a preacher. God called Greg and Tim to be preachers of his word. He's called uh, others to be teachers in Sunday school. He's called all of us, yes, to be witnesses. But God has sent his men throughout this world to preach his gospel. Has he not? I know he has because y'all are here today. Somebody preached to you. Somebody told you the truth. I, I guarantee you a lot of somebody's because it wasn't just one sermon that probably pushed you over. It's probably a lot of preachers. A lot of prayers of a mom and a daddy and a lot of witnessing of a friend that got you to come and know Jesus. There have been preachers. There are preachers. It is God who does the sending. This is not a rebuking question for just missionary ministries. It is a it's questions actually arguing against Paul about believing to be saved. He said, well, that's, that's not fair. God didn't send us. But, oh, yes, he did. And that's not all. We'll get to that in a minute. That's not the only evidence you have that God is here. And it's true that God has called all of us to proclaim the gospel. And in this instance, the verse is talking about prophets, apostles, and preachers that God has called. Listen, listen to what Isaiah 52, 7 says. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Does that sound familiar? Of course. Our text quotes that. Now listen, we're, we're going to, you know, some... Forms of Baptists believe that there is a third uh, uh, church ordinance. Foot washing. We are not going to practice foot washing. 
He has sent preachers. And that word peace there, the word peace, the gospel of peace, doesn't mean God is coming, He's going to set up His kingdom. You know, that's what the apostles were expecting. That's what the people were expecting. That's why Judas was uh, uh, turned off of Christ because he wanted Jesus to come and, and conquer the Romans and set up an everlasting kingdom on earth. But Jesus' kingdom is spiritual. And the peace that he's talking about is not peace between Russia and Ukraine. It's not peace between China and America. It's peace between you and him. Forget the nations of this world. You're a sinner. You practice lawlessness. And God is holy and righteous. And how will the two reconcile? Only through the blood of Christ. And that's why he's the Prince of Peace. And he has come to bring peace. Fly to Jesus. Anyway, that word peace, Albert Barnes, and this may bore you to tears, but I love Albert Barnes, and I like this statement. Try to stay with me as I uh, give you this quote. Peace, he says, at the end of the conflict... And the distresses and woes of war is an image of all blessings. Thus it is put to denote, that is, peace is put there to denote the blessings when a sinner ceases to be the enemy of God. Oh, happy day. (laughs) Uh, uh, Obtains pardon and is admitted to the joys of those who are his children and friends. How many of you are friends of Jesus? And you think you deserve it? No. You deserve to be cast out. But because of the blood of Christ, you have peace with God. And let me give that last statement one more try again. Let me see. And, it, and it's, we have been admitted to the joys of those who are his children and friends. The coming of those messengers who proclaim it is joyful to the world. It fills the bosom of the anxious sinner with peace. And they, uh, and they and their message will be regarded with deep interest as sent by God and producing joy in an agitated bosom and peace to the world. Number one... We, we saw here, well, the gospel must be preached. Number two, I want you to notice something and know something that Abraham was to preach to the world. This is not a new thing. Abraham was to be a blessing to all nations. Genesis 12, 3, God says to him, I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you and you and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. See, that was the original purpose of the covenant. But Israel took it as us four no more. God loves us and hates you. And you've got to come and convert to us, which might have been had some truth to it, but they didn't care about anybody converting. They just thought we're special to God and nobody else is. But the original document, if you would, of the covenant with Abraham was you are to be a blessing to all nations. This salvation is not just for one nation, it's for all nations. And Israel was to be the bearers of that. That's number three. 
Israel. Listen to Exodus 19.5. Look at Exodus 19.5. says, Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom. Now listen, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. What does that mean? What does that mean to be kingdom of of priests. That means that the kingdom of Israel were to be a go-between, one who went into the Father for the sinners. And here is a kingdom. Your kingdom is to be a kingdom of priests for all the other heathen nations of the world. Now you and I have been called. That's why you ought to be a witness. You are a kingdom of priests to God. And we have the ministry, and I'm quoting directly from the New Testament, we have the ministry of reconciliation. That's what we're supposed to be doing. All right? Now, number two, Roman numeral number two, we see the rejecting individuals. Look at verse 16. For they have not obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? Now, God told them in 52 that he was going to sprinkle all nations and and they should have been inclusive, but they weren't. And then he goes and tells them about the suffering servant. And they, they must have been horrified at what Isaiah was saying. They didn't like Isaiah very much. He was sawn in two is what history tells us. Verse 16, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. This is a quote from Isaiah 53, verse 1. The Jews had all of Isaiah 53, not to mention the whole book of Isaiah, and their denying is their own. Now here's what I just said. Their denial of Jesus and the gospel is owned by them alone, and their destruction will be their own. Number three, we see the regeneration inception. I was just trying to keep with my points there, but it's what I mean. The the initiation of regeneration, number one, the gospel message is necessary to believe. Now listen to me. Listen closely. You, You learned some things today. The gospel message is necessary to be saved, to be to believe. Verse 17 says, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Now listen to this statement. It is the only thing necessary to convert the lost. You don't need fancy preachers. You don't need fancy lights. It doesn't help to have fog machines. It doesn't help to have actors. It doesn't help to have professional singers and professional music. It doesn't help to have these things. The gospel alone converts the soul. 
Now, let me tell you something. With all the mega churches we have and the big uh, city bright lights and, and all the fancy stuff that churches are trying to use to think that it'll be more effective to win people, they may have a big crowd in New York or Atlanta or somewhere, but my friend, people are not being saved by these tactics in an alarming rate. Not any more than Spurgeon had with no microphone. Not any more than John Calvin had or Martin Luther or, 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 or uh, uh, um, can't think of the other guy's name or, or any of those men that preached John Wesley and, and uh, George Whitfield. The Bible, the history tells us that Jonathan Edwards was preaching sinners in the hands of an angry God. And that while he would preach, he would hold his manuscript. He read it. And he'd hold his manuscript close. One of the most intelligent men God ever put on this earth. The greatest American theologian this, this nation's ever known, Jonathan Edwards. And yet he was a preacher of power and fire. But not, not audibly. <laughs> And they say he'd hold his manuscript close and he would read his sermon word for word and that he was quite monotone. And as he read the sinners in the hands of the angry God, people would jump out of their pews. They would jump out of windows. They would scream and shriek and ask him to quit preaching so they could get saved. I don't know why God doesn't give us power like that anymore. But he had no fancy speech Paul said I didn't come with you with fancy speech and things I just came with you with the message of the cross and it's easy I want to tell you I got to think about this and you know I look around here and we don't have a lot of the young people used to be here when I first got here they just hadn't stayed around that bugs me a little bit I hate that some of them moved off I realize that but some of them want toys they, they want toys. They want bigger crowds. They want uh, bigger and broader things. Then we're just going to be able to produce here out here at our country church. And unfortunately, a lot of people are attracted to that. They're attracted to the crowd. They're attracted to the fun. They're attracted to the parties. They're attracted to I don't know what else. But I want to tell you, the Bible tells us that the Word of God and the gospel is enough to get people saved. And if that's not true, I quit. Because that's what God said. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Everybody turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Verse 18 says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and I will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. Through the wisdom of the world, the philosophy of the world, the world did not know God. 
Verse 21, For since in the wisdom of God the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. There it is. There it is. To save those who believe. For Jews request a sign. They want, here it is. They want the big lights. They want the big things. They want spectacular. They wanted signs. Give us something we can see. Give us something we can feel. Give us something we can, you know, grasp. They require something. But the Greeks seek after wisdom. They seek after wisdom. And I want to tell you something. The gospel is not, does not, it sounds foolish. I mean, the gospel really, it just doesn't say, this is, there's got to be a better way. That's foolish. You say, Brother Ron, how dare you talk about the gospel like that? Okay, now, now let's pretend that you've never heard anything about religion or God or anything. And I'm going to come to you and I'm going to tell you there's a man that came. He was God incarnate. He was born of a virgin. Born of a virgin. That's all. You heard it. Just... Born of a, well, how, 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 do you, how did that happen? Well, the Holy Spirit of God in heaven came down and, and, uh, and uh, Mary got pregnant. And then he lived 33 years and never lied. He never stole anything. He never cursed. He never, he, he never sinned. Not once did he ever do anything that made him have guilt. <laughs> it may be more believable that he was born of a virgin. Then he died willingly. Willingly he died after doing miracles, feeding 5,000 with a little boy's lunch, walking on the water, healing the blind, casting out demons, restoring withered arms, healing dreaded diseases like leprosy. Then he willingly died and then get, this is the kicker, three days later he rose from the dead. And if you will just simply trust in that message... Turn from your sin and stuff and trust that message for some. He will save you. Amen. That doesn't sound foolish to you in human wisdom? It does. But it's truth. And we believe it. And the world says, no, 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 that's, that's crazy. And even, the, even in Acts, Paul was made fun of because he preached the resurrection. But there were some who believed. You know how they believed? You know how they believed? By the power of the Holy Spirit convincing their heart of the gospel. And they believe. They believe. Where was I? Verse 27. Jews were Christian, Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God for the wisdom and the wisdom of God because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. I'm telling you the gospel's enough. The gospel is enough. B, it is not necessary to know about God and holiness. Number one is the gospel message is necessary to believe. But number two, it is not necessary to know about God and holiness. In other words, in other words I'm, I'm, that's terribly confusing. I just noticed that. The gospel message is not necessary to believe. But the gospel is not necessary for you to believe that there is a God. Does that make more sense? 
That, that's a terrible way I put that. I apologize. The gospel is not necessary to know that there is a God and that He's holy. I didn't put holiness on there. I didn't have room. You, you don't have to know the gospel to know there's a God. Abraham Lincoln, I've told you this before, said, I can see how a man could look from heaven down on earth and say there's no God. But how in the world can a man look from earth to heaven and say there is no God? You know where I'm going with this. He says in verse 18 here, But I say, have they not heard? Who's they? Jews probably specifically, but everybody. Yes, indeed. Now listen to this. Listen, their sound has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. Everybody turn to Psalm 19. Everybody turn to Psalm 19. Are y'all having fun? I'm having fun. Psalm 19, verse 1 says... The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows His handiwork. Day unto day utter speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. What is that telling us? That's telling us that creation. Listen, to be an evolution, evolutionist, you have to be a willful ignorant. You have to be willfully ignorant. How foolish say, oh, praise evolution. Come on. Night and reveals knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. There it is. There's our verse. There's the quotation. Their line. Whose line? Creation. Has Israel not known? Has people not understood? Yes. You cannot look up into heavens and not know that there is an awesome creator. And if he is the creator, he's boss, he's God, and all creation must answer to him. But men naturally want to make up their own religion, their own gods. And they're not going to submit, but keep reading. In them he has set a tabernacle for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming out of the chamber and rejoices like a strong man to run its race. Its rising is from one end of heaven and its circuit to the other end, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. Now listen to verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. Creation can tell you about the works of his hands, but can show you the works of his heart. You must have the preaching of the gospel to be saved. You must know Christ. Romans 1.20 says, For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse, because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Man knows by creation and by his own conscience that there is a God and that He has a standard. You can find these people down in the deep, dark jungles of South America or in Africa or wherever that the gospel has not been or religion or men or people have ever been. And you know what they've done in those little tribes out in the jungles? Made up their own rules of righteousness. Why? Because they have a conscience. 
that tells them, I must answer to, for something. They throw their loved ones into volcanoes. I, I, I don't know if you ever went down the mine ruins. We went down there. And when we went to Christian 9, the kids, and I think we went with Joe and Stephanie, didn't we, down there? And uh, went to the... Uh, and they played a game. And the winner of the game, the, the, the uh, reward was being sacrificed to the gods. Yay, team! I would have lasted a long time not being as athletic as others, so I'd have lasted a while. But anyway, why'd they do this? Because they know there's a God in their hearts and in their minds. And some will ask about them, about these people. What about the innocent people in the tribes of the deep, dark jungles of uh, South Africa or, or South America and Africa? And are, are they still required to believe in the gospel? You're not going to like this, but yes! Well, Brother Ron, what if they die never hearing the gospel? They go to hell. That's why we do missions. Listen, if they didn't go to hell, you know what we ought to do, Aaron? Quit doing missions. Because if we can keep it from everybody, then they won't go, you know, they won't go to hell. And by the way, I want to tell you something else. When you say that, you're speaking with ignorance. There are no innocent people. All have sinned. All have sinned. And they can respond with what light they have and God in His grace. Y'all know what grace is? Unmerited favor. Well, God should go down there to them because they're, you know, they, they don't have the same advantages. Then that wouldn't be grace. God expenses His mercy and grace, as we saw in chapter 9, as He will. Now, if this makes you a little upset and you think that's wrong, what you actually ought to be doing is falling on your face and thanking God that He came to you. Amen. That you were born in Calhoun, Magnolia. I've got to go. Let me see here. Okay. I'm going to stop right there. I, I don't want to rush this, and I've already given you more information than you probably handle, uh, you know, in your ears. So, But what's the point so far? Well, the point is this, is that God gives every man, woman, boy, and girl in this world evidence that He is there. And then God is gracious enough to give some people Evidence of religion, some part of true religion. Even, even the, the Muslim faith has, they believe that the Bible is a holy book. They read it as scripture. I don't know how they twist it to how they do, but they do. There are a lot of even cults, we consider cults, who, who, uh, who believe the Bible is the word of God. But they have been taught wrong. They've been taught in spite of this clear word in this Bible that they can get to heaven by doing good, by being good. While they lie, while they disobey their parents, while they cheat and steal, and while they commit adultery and lust and covet and all the other things that over every man does from the pulpit to the back pew and think they're going to heaven on their good works. 
You're not. And that's what Paul, I don't understand how any man, woman, boy, anyone could read the book of Romans and walk away thinking you're saved by good works. Willful ignorance, it has to be. You've got to have some part of it. That's why chapter 9 and chapter 10 and 11 is hard to receive all about all that predestination stuff because man wants a part. I want to say that I had a part in it. No, you can't. It's all of grace. And today, if you say, Brother Ron, I'm lost. I do not know Christ. I think that I shall fall into hell if I were to die today. What must I do? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. You have been blessed today to sit under the preaching of a, of, of a gospel preaching church. Respond in faith. Come to Christ. I know you don't believe you should because you're not worthy of it. You're not. Nobody was. Nobody is. I'm not worthy. Nobody's worthy of it. That's what makes it so great. God didn't come to save the well. He came to save the sick. Come to Jesus today. Today. 